Hey, Real Lifers, we are back with another podcast episode after being out last week. Thanks for tuning in. We love you and hope this is a blessing. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. What's up, Grant Lauda? Good morning. How are Clam you? I'm Chowda. Yep. I'm doing great, man. Doing great. How are you doing? Doing, we're making it. We've, <laughs> you, I you feel like, been the, yes. in the sick house. In the sick house. So, yeah, we, I think we're through phase two just about. So, it seems like everyone's getting healthy. But, yeah, we've been in the sick house. I think half of Montgomery <clears throat> County has been sick. I know. Yeah, we, we're going to have Emma Binkley over for dinner and... She was sick Monday, oh, and that was right when I got sick as well. So and then I was texting Tim a few days ago. I guess he was sick. I'm Tim's not sure. Got, Tim has the flu. So, yeah, something's going around, and we got it round two. And Eric Malloy, real-life Fort Campbell pastor, their whole house has been sick. Have you gotten it? Y'all are – how are the wives? Parker, Parker has had a sore throat. Susan took him to the urgent care yesterday after like three consistent days. Oh, really? Uh, and he just has a virus. So, mm. praise God, no strep or anything like that. Yeah. But um, we're doing good. It's good. We are doing good. I, I'm so thankful, honestly, man. I don't. I hate being sick. Yeah, it's – Enough of that. People are going. People are going to like turn the podcast off if we keep yeah, talking no. about being sick. So we're, you're we're healthy. We're healthy. We're in you're the healthy. Care. You're strong. We're strong. Your your complexion looks great. Thank you. I look. Yeah, I feel great. <laughs> I'm registered for actually a triathlon in April. Are you serious? So I'm like. I'm, are I'm you ready. serious? It's a triathlon sprint. So it's kind of like. What is that? It's like a less. It's not like an Olympic triathlon. Okay. It's, so explain. What is a triathlon? So a triathlon is you swim. I forget the exact distance. I think it's like a thousand meters. You run 10K and then you bike. I think it's like 20 miles. Have you ever done a triathlon? I've done a triathlon sprint. So it's basically like you cut that in half. So you you swim 500 meters, which is where are you doing this? The one I'm doing is in at MTSU. Oh, because I do want to do I do want to do the other. My dad and my sister and I did the Music City Triathlon, okay. the Sprint, and we did relays. So I only did like the Swam three hundred. Where did meters, you swim? The Cumberland, in the Cumberland yeah, River. Yeah, oh, okay. Cool. So I want to do I want to do the Olympic though. I want to set my goals to to do an Olympic triathlon in the Olympics. No, no. I mean, no. what are you, what are no, you talking no. about? So that's just like the term of like okay. the distances. It's like the official <laughs> triathlon. Why you, don't you, you want to do it in the Olympics? Yeah, I don't have the bandwidth for that goals, brother. Yeah, no, I do not have the, the margin, the capacity to sounds like an excuse to me do that. No, because that was as we talk about New Year's resolutions, like I'm like trying to figure out how do I work out consistently? I have to like commit financially to something yeah. coming down yeah. the pipeline of right. like, okay, I know I have this triathlon. Go. That's going to get me in the gym at least three times a Can't week. Can't waste your money, man. Can't waste my money and don't want to look like a dope going out there. And, Check it off. Check it off. You know, so. Some folks can't help looking like a dope. No. It's just the way God made them in. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, that's, we're through the sickness. We're in triathlon gear now. Season. Excited for this weather to get outside and. I know Susan. Susan <clears throat> watches this guy. She doesn't watch it. She reads this guy on Facebook 
I think his name is David Powell. Mm. And he's like a guy that I don't know if he reads the farmer's almanac or if he references it. He's kind of a weird guy. He is not a meteorologist, but he's always talking about the weather. And supposedly he's like always right. And he's got like all these. So he's saying, I think it's like by next Friday, we're back in another winter chill. Yeah. Like a frozen tundra. I tell my wife that like every time I feel like this happens every time in Tennessee, we get the like maybe December, January winter storm. It warms up. Everyone's like, yeah, we're here. I'm like, it always happens. Like end of February, March, we'll get like, I remember in April a while back, we got like a freeze rain in April. So I'm like, it's going to come back, but it stinks because I'm so fired up for high school baseball. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And it's been great. The weather's been great. CHS Center Squad, inner squatting, oh, getting nice. ready to bring the heat to Rossview. Nice. You got to come out. You got to come out and watch a game. I'll bring you, my pillow you can't and bring your soccer and ball. T- take a nap. Yeah, you can't. No, it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would love you to come to you, some baseball. You don't games. like Settlers of Catan. You don't like baseball. Just, Settlers why of Catan are we fri- is just overrated. Why are we friends, Grant? Settlers of Catan is overrated. I think there's just. It, it, it was foundational. You've never played with me. Uh, I don't You've know. You've never yeah, yeah, yeah. played Settlers of Catan with me. I don't know if I could handle it. If DJ Daniel Cox is listening today, would you please give Grant Louder Clam Chowder a, a little piece of your mind? He does not like. He he it, makes fun of Settlers of Catan. It was foundational. I think there's just other games who have come about and maybe have done those sort of type of your, games. Your video games better. You're a gamer, For, aka Fortnite. <laughs> Now. All right, man. I do love board games, though. Like, I, I love, I love it. Do you, so, read, do you read the brain dump? You didn't have one. You're right. So, give us a live brain dump of what's going through Pastor Freddie T's mind. A live brain dump. A live There's a few things. Dump. A few things. Wow. Let's see. Where to start? So, Sunday, I gave, like, a little breakdown. In, here's what you can anticipate with the new, the new facility, the yes. new building. Watching the steel fly and watching the concrete pad get poured was absolutely thrilling. Is that like a term, steel fly? Yes. Is that like I'm the, learning like as the, I build, go. the construction terminology? I, I assumed I was like that. They just flew. Like a, they started flying the steel. They rose the steel. They no, they, that. no, they flew, they flew the it. steel. Um, okay. Have you have you been out on the land? I since haven't been. Okay. No. Well, if you've got time, I just take peeks when I go to the. If you've the got offices. time, when we get done, we'll I'll shoot you out there. Okay. But it's uh it's thrilling. You can see the shape of the building. Great. You you can walk in and kind of know where you are in the in the building. Um, I'm so fired up, so fired up. Uh, it was interesting. I was I was telling people the kind of growth that the building will welcome for us, like the capacity. Yeah. Some of the features uh, where the worship center will feel intimate compared to what folks might have in their mind. Um just because the building that we currently meet in is so airy. It's just so massive. Yeah. Um, uh, But Sunday I was telling the church that our, our peak attendance in our largest service was about 300 people on a normal Sunday. And it Mm -hmm. came like December 10th, about uh, 300 people. Well, while I'm telling them that, like in the second service, there's actually like 300, Clay, Bebe, Bobby, uh, 344, 
there's there were 344 yeah. people second in, service was in the in the second service Sunday. so this past sunday we actually broke an attendance record for a non-holiday sunday and we had like 826 people in the house mm. uh, babies all the way up to people so man so much fun it's yeah. so much fun because i had a, i had a lady come up to me sunday she said i brought 10 people today and i'm like what She's like, yeah, and she starts rattling off all the people. And, like, to me, to be a part of a church that's so life-giving for the people that are in the church that they're, like, bringing 10 people mm-hmm. with them, man, it's just so – it just fires me up. Yeah. Like, it fires me up to attend a church like that. It really fires me up to pastor a church like that, you know? Yeah. Um. So I'm, I'm super thankful to God because this is just the fruit of – his work, it, it's his work. Um, we're at the right place at the right time with faithful servants filled with God's spirit. Jesus is fulfilling his promise that I will build my church and we're mm. privileged to steward it and get to be a part of it. So, yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, man. That's exciting. How was the seven minute party Sunday? It was packed. Yeah. Yeah. Had and, a lot of folks come through. Yeah, it was, it was like a lot of folks come through. And so you could definitely sense even Lauren and I were talking. It's like it's just packed today. Yeah. And it was Do you feel like it was a holiday church service, by the way. You feel Groundhog's Day. <laughs> February second, Groundhog's Day. So you're, February fourth, so the Groundhog's silly. Day church service. <laughs> Groundhog's Day. Everybody came out. The biggest out. church service. Don't sleep on Groundhog's, Groundhog's Day. You got Day. Easter, Christmas, and Groundhog's, Groundhog's Day is Day. coming for for those two services. So watch That's out. hilarious. Um are you enjoying the seven-minute party? I do, yeah. Or does like, it like get you out of your comfort zone, or or both? Uh, both. Really? Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm an introvert by by trade, I guess, yeah. by yeah, yeah. by wiring. Yeah. Um, but I am not bad at talking and getting to know people, so I always enjoy, especially when it's younger. Like, yeah. there's been a few uh, college. You don't like the old people. I heard that. I love the old people. I heard you say I you have didn't a like heart the old for people. the next generation, though. And so, mm. seeing mm. college students come through and being able to kind of connect them to what what God's doing through real life college. You just so. want to build quality old people, and the way to do that is invest in the young exactly. people. Exactly. Right. Yes. You're actually for the old people. I am. I am. You're more for the old people than you are the young people. Yes. Yes. In the way you implement your your commitment to the old people is you invest in yes, the young people. I want so they can become awesome ex- old yes, people. Yes. Like seeing old people who just love Jesus and like delight in him first and foremost. I'm like, well, let's start investing in the college students. So I have they, a question for you. Yes. I'm not done with the brain dump, but I do have a question. What do you think your concept of old people changes as you get older? defined concept probably like your perspective about like who like who you would categorize as old do you um mm. do you think Bebe clay Bebe is pointing at me i don't think you're old i know i think he was saying that's a good question i think that's what he meant by pointing at me he thinks yeah. you're old yeah he does clay Bebe is i i i think my perception of who's young is what is shifting more so i'm like uh. clay's a baby like, in my opinion, Bay Bay. Like, that's why you call him Bay Bay. Yeah, Clay Bay Bay. <laughs> yeah. No, he, I think my he just think, turned twenty four. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thirty, so Clay Jesus. That's not too Clay much. Clay Jesus didn't start his ministry until he's like thirty three. Yeah. Hey, so they so take the pressure off, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think it changes on 
old people. I think it's more young people. I think the way you see, view, yeah, the way I view people. and interact. So I think it, maybe there's more of a reverence, like a, a respect for older yeah. people, and I want to like, yeah, because because you're getting them and list them because you're getting older and you want that reverence, <laughs> you want that same respect. You're <laughs> yeah, like, right. I better show what I, I better want show to, yeah. so Clay can come and show some respect when he when he talks to a thirty year old. That's right. Um, <laughs> Susan and I were talking about this recently and the way when we always watched college football games yeah in our mind the guys playing the games were always older than us yeah like bigger stronger older and now they're like a lot younger but even when I watch a college football game there's something they yeah. still feel like perpetually stuck as like Older There's got to be a psychological thing because it's the yeah. same with me. I'm like those guys. I'm like those guys are like 18, 19 years old. There's no way. And I'm Patrick Mahomes is like what 26, 27. Okay, okay. All Maybe right. even younger than that. He might be like 25. So I'm like Patrick Mahomes is. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. Brain dump. Um. So I got I got a new desk. Did you see that in there this morning? I didn't. I didn't even notice. Yeah. So it's not a brand new desk. It's just well, it is a brand new desk, but it's it didn't replace my desk. It just made an L out mm. of my desk. But I'm kind of an aesthetic freak. So yeah. like I really, really care about the way spaces feel. Yeah. And so in like in my study, like I really care about how it feels in there. And um, getting this new desk has allowed me to organize my stuff in such a way that my my main desk, there's nothing on it at all, mm. like it, unless I put it on there. So it's like the perfect clean space to have my Bible open without any distractions. Oh, it's so great. I'm man. a huge fan of the aesthetic as well. Okay. So. All right. So I'm and, speaking to an yes. appreciator of what I'm talking about. I mean, look at God, here. like God is too, obviously. Yes, Just look at is. what he created. We get it from God. So we're so like God grant. That's why <laughs> that is, we're yeah. just so godly. We're yep. just reflecting his image. That's why we're no, in, in all seriousness, I do think that's where it comes from. Yeah. I do think that that's where it comes from is God's a creator. He's the author of beauty order. Yes. And so I think that that's where that, that innate sense of we're created in the image of God. That's why we have an appreciation for it. We didn't come up with that. Mm -hmm. We didn't invent the wisdom of beauty and order. God yeah. did. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, let's see what else brain dump, you know, I mean, that's probably enough for now. Yeah. I would think. Um, yeah. I went, I actually was so fired up to type the brain dump. And something with our email uh, software yeah. was janky. I'll use MailChimp. Or yes, yeah. yes. And I had already typed out most of the brain dump, was prepping it, and it said, like, I had to verify something that dealt with, like, our domain name or something. Mm. I got on hold with GoDaddy for, like, 30 minutes. And our community group was arriving, and I was mm. still on hold. And I was like, I got to. GoDaddy. Yeah. So GoDaddy is usually really good customer service. This was the longest wait I've ever had. Mm -hmm. Usually it's like 30 seconds, boom, you're on, and they usually solve your problem immediately. They're out of Phoenix, by the way. A great I city, just remember they're all, I feel state. like they had some old kind of uh, 
edgy commercials back in the day. Oh, Go, maybe so. GoDaddy.com. Yeah, I don't but, watch TV really. Uh, I'm in advertising, so I, I'll like yes. I'll sit and watch commercials. I love it. Ever since I, a kid, I, I love I, analyzing I love commercials. Commercials. I'm with you. Yes, I'm with you. GoDaddy.com. Um, so I so I had to fill out some form, and then it took 48 hours. Mm. Uh, so if the weekly email comes out this morning, the problem has been solved. Okay. But if folks do not get a weekly email this morning, there's still something messed up. Got it. Okay, that's enough brain dump. It. That's enough brain dump. I was going to ask you something. Um, I can't remember. You guys met on Austin Peace campus last night. Yep. College ministry. Yep. Did you guys have a Bible study? We did. Yeah. Where? Remind us again where you guys are meeting. Uh, the Morgan University Center or the Muck. The Muck. What room? Three twelve. Three twelve. Every Wednesday night. Every what time? Wednesday night at six thirty. Six thirty. Come yes. one, come all. Yes. You've got students that are bringing their friends. Got students bringing friends. We've got recent grads, young adults who are in the workforce. Yeah. It's yeah. It's come, come yeah, on. Yeah, I love it. What did you study last night? We talked about. Uh, we're going through the Beatitudes, and we focused on "Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted." Mm. Which I've never really like dug into it, but it was fun, fun digging into it and kind of looking at kind of biblical mourning and spiritual mourning and looking at how Christ mourned and like lamented over Israel and kind of this spiritual mourning and kind of unpacking it and thinking deeper of like Jesus gives me a hug when, you know, maybe I have a lost loved one, which he does and he comforts us in those moments, but kind of looking at this like deep mourning at our, sinful state as Jesus lamented over Israel. Yeah, that's was interesting. Betraying him and delivering him up to be crucified. Yeah, it's and the broader context. It's like of the broader that, of yeah. like this like spiritual mourning, this spiritual comforting that we get by, you know, faith in Christ from our spiritual, you know, sadness at our current state that we have fallen short of the glory of God and um, our way the wages of sin are death. So we mourn at that but we get this spiritual comfort in Christ. Yeah. Um, and so we, we kind of like looked at John 11 with um, kind of this merging of this, like the, the raising of Lazarus, you kind of see that almost of like Lazarus is fleshly risen from the dead, but the whole context of Jesus talking about, he's the resurrection and the life. And he prays to the father beforehand that the people around would see and that they would believe that, God had sent Christ into the world. And so it was like this, this fusion of like physical comfort for Mary and Marta, but like the whole thing, Jesus just, I feel like has this, like, it's like so much more than simply reuniting a brother with his sisters and yay, they can celebrate holidays now together and go to the, pa- you know, feast of the Passover and everything. It was like the whole point was, so it was just kind of unpacking, um, just going deeper with, Blessed are those who mourn, so they will be comforted. So that was kind of quick. So going through the Beatitudes. The psalmist says that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted Mm -hmm. and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Yeah. You know, so when someone is, you're you're using the Sermon on the Mount, and as you're opening that up, you're talking about the deeper contextual meaning. Yeah. It's beautiful. Elliot was telling me last night in his Bible study with Clay that Clay did a very similar thing with 
a, a, a group of guys he's discipling. Mm. He gave them a passage of scripture. What do you think this means? They all got it wrong. Yeah. He showed them how to look at it in context to understand what it means. I, um, that, that text I used as a principle recently as a, as a parent, when your kids are sad, mm. your instinct is to want to rescue them from their sadness. Yeah. Um, that's a, that, that's a, that's a loving instinct, but sometimes an unwise instinct. Mm. It's, it's loving because you're wanting to protect your kids, but it's often not wise because your kids, if they're going to be healthy adults, then they have to know how to respond to sadness in a healthy way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, there's all kinds of unhealthy ways to respond to sadness. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm an Enneagram 7. So one of the things just about my own personality is that I try to avoid sadness and painful things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, counselors along the way with me who are familiar with the Enneagram would say, you need to sit in that. Not wallow, not stay too long, but stay long enough to feel it in an appropriate way and respond to it. Anyways, a few months back with one of my kids, that text, we may have mentioned this on the podcast before, but I found myself in this place where the sadness that one of my kids was experiencing was, I, I even if I wanted to rescue them from it, I couldn't. Yeah. And I, and I took them to that text uh, to, to see how relevant was Jesus's teaching mm-hmm. on, on mourning. And there was, a, there, there was a, a center of the bullseye meaning to that text. But then there's these layers of application, mm. right? So the center of the bullseye is this mourning for the spiritual state of Israel and for our own sin. Mm. And the comfort that Christ will give when we rightly see our sin in our lost state. It's beautiful, by the way. Thank you for telling us that this morning. But then these layers of meaning of, but there's a principle there that's true yeah. that we see supported in the rest of Scripture, that he's near to the brokenhearted, he saves mm-hmm. those who are crushed in spirit. And um, I loved watching my teenager read Jesus' words about being sad. Poor in mm. spirit. Um, in 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 seeing that, hey, mom and dad right now can't rescue this, rescue you from this sadness. And God, God's plan isn't even to eliminate the sadness and the circumstances bringing the sadness. But the goodness of God is that He wants to comfort you mm. in it. One day he will rescue us from the sadness. He'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. Yeah. Hallelujah. And I feel like his comfort in the here and now is an echo. It's a shadow of what's to come. The yeah. glory of what's to come. It's a foretaste. It's it's a it's a picture that his kingdom is here, but it's not yet. His kingdom has come in part, but it's not yet come in full. Mm-hmm. Does that resonate this morning? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a good word. The, the theologians call it the already not yet. Yeah. Jesus' kingdom is already here, but it's not yet here in full. Yeah. We see that all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. So when Jesus began to heal people, he's showing my kingdom is here. It's already here. It's not yet here. Hey, we had a question. 
Oh, we yeah. Had, we had a we question did. come in. We don't have like a good essay response, but the question, let me just read the question. I, we love questions. So you can email questions to the podcast. You can email grant at reallifesango.com. Correct. You can email freddyt at reallifesango.com. Here's an email that came in. There's lots of other, I love the podcast, lots of other, but this, this podcast listener said this, uh, hang on, I got a cough. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, on a serious note, I would like to ask the question on anointing slash anointing oil. It's importance in biblical times and the use of it currently. Um, it's a great question. And it kind of got my wheels spinning. I've never done an in-depth study on oil or, or anointing oil. But I did dig in a little bit uh, to make sure that I could respond to this in a biblically faithful way. And here's here's what's really interesting. The, the reason that I find this question so interesting is that it's not uncommon in churches today to hear people talk about a minister being anointed. Mm-hmm. You hear someone preach, you hear someone sing. Oh, they're anointed. Oh, they're anointed. Oh, they're anointed. Well, there's nothing in the New Testament that gives us language or framework for saying that. Mm. And um, what you do have in the Old Testament is you do have um, different... Uh, prophets, priests, and kings uh, being consecrated for their ministry. Mm-hmm. And being consecrated for their ministry, they were anointed with oil. Um, so Moses gave the instruction on how to prepare priests for their ministry, and one of the steps were you anoint them with oil. Mm-hmm. Psalm 133 then goes on to say, you know, how beautiful and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's like the oil running down upon the beard of Aaron. This is Psalm mm-hmm. 133. So so then you've got to pivot back to the Old Testament to say, okay, what was the oil doing? What was its function? And you see that it was a prerequisite for the priest's ministry to be acceptable. Their worship, before their worship was acceptable to the Lord, they had to be anointed with oil. So it was a prerequisite, and it was a, a consecration. It, it was a, a consecrating them for that purpose. So I think um, it's. I think it's a. I think when we. I think when we throw around the term, "Oh, they're anointed," I think it's a shallow understanding yeah. of the word, and really even often a biblically unfaithful wording of what we're observing. In other words, what the New Testament tells us is be filled with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. The New Testament nowhere says be anointed. Yeah, There's no instruction in the New Testament that says be anointed. There is instruction, be filled with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So when we see and perceive and observe what, what appears to be a powerful working of God's Spirit, what should we conclude? They're anointed or no, they're filled with the Spirit. Yeah. There's a display of the Spirit of God. There's there's evidence of the Spirit's work in his or her life. Um, so so the the anointing oil was, I think, more symbolic 
uh, than there was any kind of transfer of power per se in the anointing of the oil. Um, What's really interesting is that there's some examples in the scripture. I've got a stack of notes in front of me that I've pulled up, but uh, about this, what's really interesting is that, is that there are examples where like evil rulers were actually anointed with oil. Um, so, so like just even using the term anointing to say that it's like a special, like empowerment from God in a holy way mm-hmm. is not even consistent with the old Testament example, because in the old Testament, you see that there were, there were actually like evil rulers that were anointed with oil yeah. as they were set aside for their, like for their service. Um, and that anointing, I think, was, and, and this kind of opens up a can of, you know, worms here, but where the anointing there was uh, confounds minds here where uh, God will God will superintend over the wickedness of man and still mm-hmm. use the wickedness of man to accomplish his purposes. So sometimes he did that with evil, evil rulers to discipline and punish his people. Right, and God was using an evil ruler to punt, to discipline His own people. Well, that that kind of gets out. So, <clears throat> the most common, the most common and immediately recognizable text for anointing with oil. What comes to your mind, Grant? James. James. Yeah. What does the text in James say? I'm trying to pull it up, and I was doing a, a reference. Um, yeah. But I know it has to do it involved with healing, right? That's right. Bring... That's right. So, so James James instructs that if you are sick, call the elders to pray for you and have them anoint you with oil. Um, and and so, I the anointing of oil there. I don't think that there's some spiritual. The oil is not a spiritual potion that mm. has magical powers. The emphasis in James is the elders' prayer. Mm. He goes on to say, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. You may be healed. The The prayer yeah. of the righteous man availeth much, right? Mm-hmm. That's old, that's King James language. Availeth. Availeth, availeth much. Um, so the emphasis that James gives us is not in the oil. It's on the prayer of a righteous man. But there's a, the anointing of the oil. Well, what does that mean? Well, I think it's symbolic. I think mm-hmm. it's symbolic of consecrating the person, setting the person aside for what's in you pivot back to Mark six. And in Mark six, uh, they laid their hands on, they were prayed and anointed them with oil. Now here's a really wild, uh, (laughs) here's a really wild story from the book of acts. And here's why I don't think that the oil, the oil is not like a spiritual potion. If, Mm -hmm. if it was, what do you imagine would be happening? Sell it, yeah, exactly. Open up a shop on Etsy and the, just start selling some yeah. bougie anoint, which I think actually people do, right? Like, there's like probably some bougie yes. anointing oil, quote unquote anointing. If oil you watch, you if buy. you watch tele evangelists long enough on TV, <laughs> some charlatan is going to say, "Send me a hundred dollars, and I'm going to send you a rag that's been dipped in the oil," mm. or "Send me a hundred dollars, and I'm going to send you some water," you know, that was taken out of the Jordan river or some holy water, you know, um, this is exactly what happened in the book of acts. Yeah. Right. When, 
someone like asked if they could pay to have the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the text, let me see if I've got it in the notes here. Do you know that text? I don't. I, yeah, I, I don't. just got through going through Acts, but I, I remember that instance. I forget exactly where it is. I don't know off the top of my head. So there's so there's a lot there's a lot to read here, and you know it, like anytime anytime you take a topic that's in the scripture often, and then you just trace it like a, almost like a biblical theology through the scripture. Mm-hmm. It's thrilling to see. Um, so 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 to the individual, rather than rather than tying a bow on this question for you, I would point you back to the scriptures. Mm. I remember when I was in college, Grant, I was wrestling with, I was playing baseball, college baseball, and we had games on Sunday. And I was really, really wrestling with um, missing church. It was really hard. And like, I, you know, like I was like doing a little devotion in the locker room or a senior was doing, you know, and, but I was internally conflicted. So I was coming yeah. to my pastor and I was like, basically like, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And he wouldn't, mm. he wouldn't tell me what to do. He encouraged me, and I can't remember if he did this for me or if I did this, but basically printed off every biblical example where the Sabbath was mentioned. Mm. And he basically said, go get along with the Lord and figure it out. Mm. Figure out what you need to, how you need to view and think about the Sabbath. You know? So I like that's not the way I would treat everyone on every question. Yeah. Right? But there is a, there's a little bit of a, a goodness to that of like, we all want like quick, immediate, packaged answers, but sometimes mm-hmm. we need to dig. Yeah, yeah. I've I've come to that conclusion with other things, like maybe other. If this would fall under like gray area, like what do we anoint? I mean, it mentions it in James. What is is that? Just like olive oil, I can grab from my cupboard and start anointing my house or anointing my sick child with oil. But like, I forget when it was, but I was back when I was in North Carolina of. And I forget what like gray area issue it was. I was just, I think it was even like about my consumption of alcohol and just like kind of like, okay, where, just kind of these gray areas. Like, well, what does it mean to be drunk? Is it one beer, two beers? And like me wanting like this black and white answer of like, I want the Bible to say you can drink no more than one and a half glass of wine. You can Mm. drink no more than, and basically go back to old covenant. But I was like, had this moment where I was walking and praying where I was like, what it incites is for me to come before God and like have this relationship and bring these questions to him. And then he'll kind of speak convictionally to me differently than he might speak convictionally to you about alcohol to where, sure. you know, I'm taking a, you know, an right. abs- abstaining from alcohol for who, who knows right. how long and just like, okay, let's just get rid of it for a while. Yeah. And so kind of forcing this more relational versus like, cool, I can just turn to page 33. It says two and it's, I'm going to just get super, hyper legalistic and um I think it's Colossians that talks about like asceticism with just yeah. like these like sure we're just gonna be super legalistic and deny the flesh on these super uh legalistic things but it incites so similar with like anointing all this like well what does it mean? Well like, yeah seek the Lord and see what or like the Sabbath like yeah. seek the Lord and kind of have this moment of clarity through that seeking. Well and I think to be clear when you say seek the Lord you're not saying on any given issue, just go on a prayer walk yeah, and see how you feel yeah, yeah no, and no, chalk no. that up as the Holy Spirit. No. You're saying open the sacred scriptures. Open the scriptures, yeah. See what has God said. Yep. What is the 
what's the holistic teaching of the scripture on this issue? Mm-hmm. I, on, on, on alcohol, you know, there's so many people in our church that um, have struggled with alcohol by way of an, an addiction or a sinful expre- use of it. So many people in our church mm-hmm. um, that uh, there's a lot of testimonies of how God has delivered a lot of people from, yeah. you know, sinful use of it. The, the, the issue with alcohol, I, I, I think when Paul in Ephesians, I believe it is, says, do not get drunk with wine. Mm-hmm. Do you know what he says after that? I do not. Yeah. I bet it'll come to you if I say it again. Do not get, get drunk, drunk with wine, wine, but in everything. Be, I don't know. But be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Mm. So, so Paul contrasts being drunk with being filled with the Spirit. Yeah. So it's all. It's almost like he's saying, "Don't be drunk with wine. Be drunk with the Spirit." Mm-hmm. He says, "Do not be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit." So, so. It gets really vague. Well, what does it mean to be drunk, right? Yeah. Well, I think the answer is embedded in the in how he's contrasting it. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Well, when you're filled with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, yep. as Galatians tells us, mm-hmm. right? So, so I'm I'm just seeking to give the brothers and sisters a little guidance yeah. here because I don't think you're the only one going. Yeah. What What about alcohol, right? In is there any guidance? Mm-hmm. I, I think the principle, the guiding principle is self-control. Yeah. So I think I think at whatever point you drink alcohol where you begin to lose any self-governance, self-control, mm-hmm. I think then you've you've begun to get drunk. I think that's a it's it's the self-control. Yep. And that's what that's God's desire for all of us is to be filled with the spirit. So for me. The challenge, the challenge there is is like in gentleness, mm. like losing a temper, right? So, at what point in time do I am I not being perceived as gentle? Well, then I'm I'm stepping out of being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the flesh. Mm. But I but I like what you're saying there is, I like what you're saying there that resonates deeply with me in that. We want a clear black and white. Here's what you you know. Here's yeah. how here's how many drinks. Here's how you know. Yeah. And and the beauty of the Christian life is what you were talking about this morning when we were on the porch watching that beautiful mm-hmm. sunrise. Uh, was um, you were talking about discernment. Yeah. Right. Um. So much of the Christian life, God intends to be lived out in wisdom and discernment. This is this I this gets me so excited because there's so much room to grow. Like yeah. I like when I hear that I think, "Oh my goodness, I've got so much room to grow because I lack so much wisdom and I lack so much yes. di- there's just so much more wisdom and so much more discernment that I can take hold of and uh through abiding in Christ and walking deeply and intimately with him and mm-hmm. um oh, less of me more of you, Lord yeah. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the with the alcohol. Yeah, it, it it was never like for me like where the Lord spoke was through His scriptures, but it was even never kind of about 
passages directly related to being sober-minded, drunkenness, I was always like, that. I don't know, that doesn't help me. I'm like, I, I feel like I'm more at ease if I have two, three <laughs> beers in me. And all on, I'm like, sober-minded, I'm not thinking yeah. anything crazy. Right. But for me, it was like being above reproach and yep. setting yep. the example and right. kind of extending it out to where these passages of, you know, being above reproach and even and understanding my own kind of inclinations and where the enemy can tempt me of just like, yeah, I might be sober, but I might be thinking I just need to nip it in the bud. It's really good. Versus kind of yeah. finding that sweet spot or in, I think many of us have histories of like, I want to see how far I can push the envelope maybe without getting to the, where I'm sinning. So I'm like, okay, where, where, where's, how can I enjoy it? Uh, you know, to, to its max. And I was just like, nah, man, like I want to be above reproach. I want to invest in college students and there just be no room yeah, man, for like any confusion or while Grant was, there yeah. was a beer in the trash can and college students were over at his house. Yeah. What is going on with real life college? Yeah. I'm like, not none of that, even yeah. if I can enjoy it. So, so you actually recently made a choice to not drink. Yeah, that was on Veterans Day this year. Yeah. I was just like, um, I was like, I'm I just it was just too much. I, I hated thinking about it. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, yeah. Lord, I would rather just sacrifice this on the altar and yeah. never even have to deal with it. Yeah. And figure out other beverages of relaxation, <laughs> have an evening cup of coffee or yeah. tea or yeah. Um, so here's a question. So, so <laughs> you had a season, uh, in the Marines, yep. uh, where you, what do you call it? You self, when you self-referred, you self-referred yourself for substance Abu treatment, yeah. sub substance abuse treatment. So alcohol was a problem for you Yep. previously. Yep. You, you overcame that problem. Yep. And then you found yourself going, well, I enjoy drink. Yeah. That's amazing because most people don't most people don't go from it being a big problem yeah. to I can enjoy it in moderation. Yep. But you did that, but then you sacrificed something that you enjoy for the betterment and the good of the people you were serving. So that there just wasn't even a possibility like in for the ministry. Yeah. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, and there was like because I did take a year, I, I self-referred. Yep. I did a, I did 365 days of no consumption of any alcohol. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, Lord, I, I do believe, you know, I have the freedom to yeah. enjoy responsibly. Yeah. Yeah. And I started that and that was a part, you know, early on into Lauren and I's marriage, we'd go on dates to breweries and yeah. Yeah. stuff like that. But there was always, I think the longer it persisted, there was this like opening of a door of just like more would be great. More would feel nice. Yeah. Yeah. Know, another one would feel nice. Ah, oh, we won't. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. never gotten into any like dramatic drunkenness situation. But there's always just that in the back of my mind of like, oh, another one would be nice. Yeah. And so, I think I don't. I think there's tons of people who don't even have that. Like Lauren doesn't yeah. have sure that thought when she has a yeah. glass of wine. Yeah. I do. Yeah. And so I was just like. Yeah, I'd rather nip it in the bud before it kind of progresses. So there was this internal um, holiness sacrificing to my relationship, and then beyond that, kind of 
how how it's perceived out elsewhere. The Be- book of Hebrews talks about the sin that so easily entangles. Yep. And so you had a sin that so easily entangled. It was calling for have another. Yep. Have another. Lauren, that's not the sin that so easily entangles. Yep. Entangles her. Um, I had another thought, and then this text message just described it. Let me see if I can pull this thought back in because I love the way you're processing this. Um, I just thought of the proverb that says that wine is a mocker, beer is a brawler. Mm. And it's like, <laughs> why? Like, it's like alcohol is like attempting to mock you. Yeah. Do you know? Do, do, do you think that that's an application of that text? Like, you're wanting to enjoy it and. Here it here it is calling to you. Have another one. Yeah. Have another one. I like when I hear wine is a mocker, beer is a brawler. That's what I'm thinking. Is that it was the drink itself was attempting to mock you. Yeah. Yeah. And I've have you ever thought about it in that way? I haven't thought about it as like the drink was mocking me. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, whether it be <laughs> the drink or the enemy, like I yeah, always right, just think of right, right, right. Um the the advice given after Cain and Abel of, um, you know, sin is crouching at the door. Yes. And I'm like, this is where you the must enemy master and you it. must rule yes. over it. And so like, this is the moment where sin is just crouching yeah. at the door yeah. Yeah. when I'm enjoying a right. beer right? and I'm making these decisions of like, Oh, I could get, and I, I'm like, this is, and y'all, this is how I think. And th- that's where I was like, yeah. I'm just going to be done. I was like, well, I could have one. Right. 4% beer, or I could get a nice IPA that's 6.5, 7%. I'm drinking one <laughs> yeah, beer, yeah, but it's a 6.5, 7%er, and you know, I'm feeling a little more relaxed. This is a world I know not of. <laughs> so this is, if you guys have questions about this, I this is my world, and it kind of runs in my family. I can talk to, to you, I can talk to you about espresso. <laughs> You're, do you, yeah, I, I don't, I don't coffee. wrestle iced with coffee. espresso. <laughs> you didn't get your iced coffee this morning. I did. I had it ready for you. Um, so yeah, that, that's my world to where I was just like, I feel like by the grace of God, like I don't feel strong when I'm drinking a beer, like I'm enjoying a beer. I feel strong when I don't have it. Like I, I feel strong when I'm able to wake up early and I feel like, I mean, even like a glass of cheap wine, I'll wake up and I'm like, what am I got a headache kind of like just feeling kind of top 10 reasons. Not to drink. Yeah, alcohol. and that was a huge reason of just like I, I want. <laughs> I feel like garbage after. I feel garbage. Like I want to hydrate. So I'm. It was yeah. like this combination yeah. of being above reproach, my own history and sin yeah. and temptation and just health, and I was just like, I am tired of thinking on it. Yeah. And I'm just. I'd rather just destroy it and sacrifice it. And yeah. not to beat a dead horse here, I. It was. It was always. It was always interesting to me when. The argument, the argument was attempted to be made that the wine that Je- the water that Jesus turned into wine was more like grape juice. Like when I was growing up yeah. in churches that I grew up in, that was that was the argument to try to get people to not drink. It we you know the the question was always, well, what about Jesus turning water into wine, right? Yeah. And, and the argument was, well, it was always, it was, it was a different kind, right? Their senses were dulled. Yeah, right. At the wedding of Cana. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, but this past Sunday, when we talked about the Lord's Supper, mm-hmm. we saw that they were actually getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. Yeah. So it was like, wait a second. It's not just grape juice. <laughs> not just grape juice. You can't get drunk on grape juice, you know? Yeah. like. 
So anyways, well, you know, there's so many other things like this in life mm -hmm. um, where God's good gifts can be abused. Uh, and there's, there's other things. You think about money, right? The Bible uh, commends generosity. The Bible calls us to stewardship. And then the Bible describes money as the deceitfulness of riches. Mm-hmm. So where 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 wine might be a gift from God, it's still different than like water or Coca Cola. Yeah, in the sense of it has the power to mock you. Mm -hmm. Well, money is a gift from God intended to be used for good and godly purposes, uh, and yet money promises something to the soul of men and women mm -hmm. that it cannot provide. It deceives us in terms of what it can provide. So is that you know so. This is really healthy conversations, yeah. you know, and all I think this that, from anointing oil. Yeah. So, so the question is: is can you drink too much anointing oil? <laughs> can, <laughs> can you, you drink, put too much? Should you drink oil, oil on your now, spaghetti? Now, this sounds insane, but I went into Starbucks the other day. Um, Starbucks the other day. I'm sorry to curse in your presence. I went wow. into Starbucks the other day, and uh, and they're doing these drinks now where they'll put oil in the drink. Like like olive oil, yeah, yeah, and I think it's like a um, I, I think it's that. a trend. I think it's a thing now. I think like if you Google it, I think you're gonna find like it's the latest health trend kind of. I don't buy thing. all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Isn't did it? you get it? I did not. Mm. I did not. I don't know what I got that day. Yeah, I do too. I think I got like a toffee nut latte. I need. To I don't even know why we went in there. I like Honestly. Starbucks, but yeah, that's all right. Yeah. I'm not a coffee snob as snobby. I'll I'll get like a McCafe coffee. And I know you'll make fun of me, but I love McDonald's coffee. Well, in the same way that riches can deceive, you know, there's McCafe can <laughs> deceive, you know, like anyways. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's take a break. Let's come back and chat briefly about the sermon. Let's do it. Sir, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I hear a big echo coming over there out of Clay's ears. I think it's just his boomy headphones. I think it's a boomy headphones. Hey, um, I didn't share in the live brain dump, but D now is coming up. Did you yes. attend Disciple Nows growing up? I did not. Did Any, you know what they were? Nope. Anything? Did as, your church do them? I do not know. Oh, I was an absent middle school, high schooler ministry. I, I, I it was like pulling teeth. I hated going to those so. things. Your testimony and people's testimonies like yours encourages the mess out of me. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. I, well, I, if I could go back, I would love to go be involved in that. I just yeah. was. You just see salvation belongs to the Lord. Yeah. As it says in the book of Jonah. <clears throat> mm -hmm. You know, so it's like you're looking at somebody's track. You're looking at somebody's journey. Fear not. Like the Lord will. <coughs> Excuse me. The Lord will meet them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But D now is happening. 
So uh had this verse out of 1 Corinthians. It was a little bit of a different sermon. We celebrated the Lord's Supper. Yep. We took some time. We slowed down. We said, if you don't take the Lord's Supper right, you're going to die. You're going to get sick. You got sick. <laughs> Which we got immediately sick afterwards. After. So. so I'm glad the Lord is speaking to you, Grant, about yep. your inappropriate. I, I, I joke, but I don't joke. Like you, your brain was like. You I, my were, brain was spinning. <laughs> and I was like, I have taken communion extremely flippantly and unholy like with unrepentant sin and even thinking about the sin I'm going to commit as many soon times as I get in your life. Wow. Yeah. Cause I went to church wow, wow, wow. and my church would do like the once a month communion. Yeah, yeah. And I would be like, cool. I'm about to meet with my friends after church and wow. do the stupid stuff we did. And I'm taking communion and yeah, never had anything happen really. In those days, were you aware of that text of scripture no. that, yeah, I wasn't really aware of that text. Um, until a few years ago is Francis Chan was on a huge, uh, like, yeah. Why don't we talk about this? Oh, like, interesting. Like people are getting sick because they take communion yeah. poorly and are yeah. dying. I, pre- I I appreciate Francis, but but I, but I die. anyways. <laughs> are you not a Francis? We can talk later offline. Yeah, right? yeah, we can talk about Francis later. Um, but yeah, he. Uh, so yeah, that was the. And I, I'm pretty. I have a clear conscience before God. And man, I was like, I, I felt like I took communion. Yeah. Before uh, it's very, it's a very sobering warning. Something's just unfortunate time. What, uh, what, what struck you from the sermon, or what questions do you have? Any follow up ideas, thoughts, amens, objections, tomatoes being thrown? What you got? No objections. I think it's always just looking at First Corinthians three one through nine, and just um, Paul talking about Paul watering or Paul planting, Apollos watering, but it's God who gives the growth, like. It's just the most, like, I want to be a part of the growth. I want to give myself credit when I see growth happening. Oh. And so it's usually... You want to be the grower. I want to be the grower. Like, I want to be like, I want to look at, like, wow, I've seen, not even from, like, a holistic ministry standpoint, but seeing someone sanctified by the Holy Spirit, and I'm looking back, I'm like, wow, look at yeah. the person from a year ago and look at where they are now. Yeah. That's because of me. Yeah. I think I think Timothy would have said, God, thank you yes. for putting Paul in my life. Yes. And God, thank you for seeing fit to use Paul. Yeah. In my life. Yeah. So it's not You're this right. like, oh, I'm doing nothing. And, but it's like this yeah. God, right. Thank you for giving me this relationship that I yeah. can invest in. And it is you who is working in them through the spirit. Only you can convict them of their sin by your right. spirit. And like, like, right. And I'm just happy to be a part to yeah. plant and water and yeah. till the soil as, as you command me to. Right. That, here you see the danger of letting one verse in scripture. Uh, give you your whole theology, mm-hmm. right? If you only use First Corinthians three to give you your theology on people being used of God, what does Paul say? Nothing. Yeah, he's nothing. Well, that's not all the Bible says, mm-hmm. right? The Bible says that he's made us a little lower than the angels. That he's made us in the image of God. That we're the fragrance of Christ. With we're the ambassadors of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's. <coughs> He's addressing a very specific context, very specific issue. And it's all it's almost like he's overstating his case to prove a point. Mm-hmm. You know, he's 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 saying, like, what is man? You know, like yeah. it's hello, it's God that gives the growth. 
Like yes. one plant's another waters, but it's God that makes it all work, right? So so he was he was refocusing them to to that it's God that does it because they were focused on the mm-hmm. people. So I think it's appropriate to give honor and to recognize people and to encourage people, to thank people. The Bible says that a a laborer is worthy of his wages, right? So mm-hmm. uh but um but they had made it all about the people. Yeah. And then that was causing the divisions, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's like, yes, we if we exalt people, that cannot unify us. We have to exalt Jesus. He yeah. will unify us. Yeah. Yeah. So I think other than just kind of being solidified on that and like walking that line of giving God glory for he gives the growth but rejoicing in the identity that we have, that he makes his appeal through us. And so it's just always just like a good kind of reminder and reset of just like, okay, like I, by your grace, I have these college students I get to invest in and plant and water in. And, but Lord, it is you who, yeah. So it was just a good reminder and trust the builder, love the builder, obey the builder. Um, I think it's always just a great parallel to see, up against as we're building a physical building that we are Christ's built. Like we are being built up as a spiritual house. So there's my question. What was Paul wanting to come into the Corinthians minds when he said, we are God's building? Man, uh, I mean, when I hear that, what comes to my mind, I mean, he, what does he go on after to say, talks about like building with a variety of materials and like working for the kingdom. Yes. And so I think that like encouraging them to labor for God, who is, whose goal and his goal will be fulfilled is to build himself up his church, um, to like labor for God. And so... Yeah, he goes on talking about um, building on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And so like this thing, I don't know if we talk about much is like our works being judged and passed through fire. And it's like, like, I need to think about that and not like. Mm-hmm. that I'm earning any salvation at all, but like I get this opportunity to labor for God and like, which I think, I feel like that's what Paul, Paul is emphasizing. As you mentioned, they're, they're, they're focused on clicks and who, who's a better preacher and getting involved in that when they could be laboring for God, the builder. Yeah. It's so interesting because I think there's multiple things going on here. Yeah. The apostle Paul He's he's rebuking their disunity. Mm-hmm. He's saying it's all about God, and and then he's and then he's saying he's saying I'm God's fellow worker. You're His field. You're His building. So he's he's just saying something true about the nature of the relationship. Paul is investing in them. Paul is God's fellow worker partnering with God as he builds the Corinthians, as he grows them as a field. Mm -hmm. 
So, so certainly there's also that kind of that built into that. And as we multiply, you will join me in being God's fellow workers. But at this point in time, they were the recipient of the ministry of the word from Paul, right? Mm -hmm. They would then join him in that work. But what's really wild is what the text you just read. It's like Paul he says, I'm God's fellow workers, and here's the judgment that's coming for me. Mm. He says it's coming for us. Like, we'll all do this. So, so in that, there's an, invita- there's, a, there's an invitation and an implication to the Corinthians that they, too, are God's fellow workers. So it's, it's, it's like he says, I'm God's fellow, fellow workers, and you're the recipient of it because mm-hmm. you're, you're being built. You're being planted as the field. But then he immediately pivots and says, and yet for all God's workers, read it again. What, what does he say? For all those that are building with God. What does he say? Um, let's see. Do you know what verse starting? Well, your chapter 3, yep. come down verse 9, 10, after 10. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. After that. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. There he goes. There he goes. So so Paul's saying, I was like, I first came to you and laid this foundation. Mm-hmm. Now others are are doing ministry as well. So now he's exhorting those that are doing ministry, mm-hmm. saying, Let each one take care because here's what's coming for us. And what does he say? For no one can lay Lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. It's almost it's almost like, like he's talking out two sides of his mouth, mm. or he's like Jesus juking them, you mm. know? Because he's like, what is, what is man? Man is nothing. Yeah, God is everything. What is Paul? What is Apollos? Just mere servants. We're nothing. We're yeah. nothing. And yet you better be careful how you build. <laughs> yeah. And you better build with the best materials. Mm-hmm. And you better not be lazy and you better not slack off and you better be pure in your motive because judgment is coming upon your work. Mm. So, so, so it's like our ministry is less important than we think it is. And it's more important than we think it is. Yeah, love it. Yeah, <laughs> love the especially going through the beatitudes. Yeah. Everything's just like mind mush of its opposite. Yeah, like blessed are the. I so. don't like that warning text. The Paul just gives. You oh, don't like it? No. About the work passing yeah. through fire. No, I don't like it. Some burning up, some remaining. I don't need to read it more. I need to pray yeah. over it. Yeah. And there's like for those hearing and maybe aren't familiar, but. It does talk about if anyone work if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So it's like not this. I hope it's not like this enough. If your work gets burnt up, you're not going to make it in. Right. It's like this. You're saved, but there's this work. Yeah. That gets tested, which is yeah. It's 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 like yeah. God's judgment will be right, and it will be felt. Mm. And um. And we want, we want to live today with the coming judgment in mind. Yeah, um, not out of not out of not out of reactionary fear, but sobered by its reality. 
Like I, I think I think Paul's intention is to do exactly what I just said, to prevent us from being flippant, from prevent us from being lazy, from prevent us from to prevent us from cutting corners, you know, like yeah. whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of mm-hmm. God. And I think if we keep that in view, then our ministry and our work is going to withstand the fires of judgment. Mm-hmm. And it's we're going to be using the materials that we need. All right, how can we pray for our church today, Grant? Seems like sickness is going around, so just yes. I was praying that everyone who's dealing with it just gets a speedy recovery and can get through it. Here's a question for you. What <coughs> else should we pray for the sick other than that they would just get well? For me, I'm always convicted of how little I rely on God when I'm sick. I feel like I don't open my scriptures because I'm sick. I'll like go a few days without even like just trusting in him that. So I don't know. I'm always like, man, Grant, like you seem just weak when you just flip the switch flips off and you like, flip off. My Bible won't get touched. I'm just going to lay on the couch, drink Pedialyte. And is Lauren the same way? Does um, she do the same way? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're not describing like man cold. No, Dude, I'm, I'm terrible with man cold. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's not what you're describing. No, you so I think just... just here's, here's, here's one of the things I think we should pray. Yes. So in kind of the, the model of ministry that I grew up in and experienced, there would be a Sunday school class, and there would be, there would be 30 minutes of prayer requests given. And the vast majority of the prayer requests were so-and-so's having surgery, yep. so-and-so's sick, so and so has cancer. In the in in there was never a specification of what do we want to pray for them. Mm. It was always the understood assumption that what we're praying is that they get better. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think I I think I've somewhat recently shifted to like not just I hope that I get better, but that God would just reveal himself mightily in their life, regardless if they get better or not, that this situation would draw them closer to the feet of Christ. What's the worst thing that could happen? What is the worst thing that could happen for someone that's going through a disease? What's the worst thing? What's the worst thing that could happen? They don't trust in God's provision and sovereignty in that moment? Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I would say it this way. They throw in the towel on their faith. Yeah. They they just say, I, I'm done mm-hmm. trusting in Jesus. I'm done. I'm leaving my faith. Mm-hmm. Right? <clears throat> the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, now made known to you, brothers, the gospel which I now remind you, brothers, the gospel which I preached to you, which you received, and which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast mm. to the word I preached to you. So, in my experience, when people are going through sickness and severe sickness, those are the moments that it's easiest to doubt God. Mm. Those are the moments that it's easiest to to wonder where is he 
And the one thing in all of life that God wants to do is for our faith to remain mm. and to persevere. So as we're praying for our congregation to, ex- to experience being well and healthy and being healed, as the book of James tells us, let's also pray that they will not forsake their faith, that the trials of sickness that they're going through won't cause them to throw in the towel in their faith. I just sat through years and years of Sunday school classes where 30 minutes of prayer requests, five minutes of prayer, 10 minutes of teaching, you know, and mm-hmm. off to the service. And, and, and the understanding was always healing. And we never took it to a deeper level to say, and we want to pray that they persevere in their faith through this trial. Mm. What do you think about that? Yeah. Amen. All right. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well, let's do that. Let's pray. Uh, you pray for healing. Okay. I'll pray for faith. Let's do it the other way. I'll pray for healing. You pray for faith and we'll sign off. Yeah. Father, we pray in Jesus name. God, it, it makes us sad to see so many friends and church family sick. Father, we pray today that you would bring good health to the family of God. Uh, Father, I, I pray for Melissa Wall, and I pray your healing hand would be mightily upon her. Father, I pray for, for Pastor Eric Malloy that, that healing would come to his whole household. I pray for Pastor Tim that he would re, uh, bounce back from the flu quickly. Lord, I pray for all those that are um, suffering with flu and strep throat and other sicknesses. Lord, deliver them quickly from this. Lord, we need you. Lord, we lift up your church, Lord, and just all of those experiencing illness, and we know how frustrating it is when we have our responsibilities, our rhythms, our routines, and those get disrupted, and how discouraged we can be, that, Lord, we just ask that all of those experiencing that, that, Lord, their faith would remain. It says in Hebrews eleven six that and without faith it is impossible to please you. Um, so, Lord, this asks that those experiencing just the discouragement of illness and, you know, kids not being able to go to school and having to cancel work and meetings and, and ministry things because of illness, that, Lord, yeah. people's faith yes. would remain and that they would yes. look that you, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And so as we wake up with a sore throat or even nausea, all these things that we're dealing with, that the truth and the promises is that this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Mm. So, Lord, let us or let our faith remain that yes. you yes. are mightily working yes. in and through all things, and you work all things for the good of those who are called according to your purpose, Lord. And yes. so, Lord, we just are trusting you. We love you, and we just ask that the faith of your church would remain. Uh, during these trials of sickness um, and ailments that we're we're kind of experiencing in in and through Clarksville right now, Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Grant, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.